inch by inch, play by play, we were finished. Welcome to the Gridiron Breakdown. We don't have a real name for it. Yeah. I'll give you media guys something to come up with. What's your assignment? Kill the quarterback. Hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies. Kill everybody. The football podcast for the fans, by the fans where we discuss the X's and O's of each week's premier football game. We've got to be the dumbest team in America in terms of playing the game. I thought you were going to, you were going to do one of these. Your hosts are Jay and Allen. And when was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see a kid do a chemistry experiment? You play football like Engineero played football. And Brian. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. And Lindsay. My favorite scene. I don't know what a hokey is, but God is one of them. Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever one don't, will back him up. Period. Cut and dry. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I can tell you how they feel about it. They don't like it. It's a lack of respect. It's not doing your homework and paying attention to what reality is. Now, let's get to the breakdown. Looks to me like they're coming up with a plan. Hello, you play to win the game. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown. I'm Jay. He's Alan. <laughs> I'm Alan. I'm, I'm Brian. And I'm Lindsay. All right. We're glad to have you here for episode 15 of the season. It's week 14 for college football, week 13 of the NFL. Somehow we've gotten here in spite of a rash of cancellations, covid Dogs and cats living together. It's mass hysteria out there right now, y'all. Um, who knows what games are even going to happen this weekend? I mean, things keep changing. We just, like hours before, just a couple hours before this show goes live, we finally finished up our picks from last week uh, as Pittsburgh and Baltimore delayed that game as long as possible. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that the whole time through. Brian, man, that was, that was wild how long that took. Well, I mean, I'm shocked it even happened, to be honest with you. They delayed it to from Thursday to Sunday, from Sunday to Monday, from Monday to Tuesday, from Tuesday to Wednesday. By the time 2 o'clock rolled around today, uh, I went to my phone to check if it was even still going on and if they're going to delay it again. And you know what really sucks is I feel bad for Pittsburgh. They have to come back and play against Washington on short rest. I guess it's no different than playing a Thursday game though but still wow what a pain in the rear end uh but they got it done i mean it happened um it was an interesting game i'll say that um wasn't a great game by any means but it was an interesting game yeah lots so, of turnovers so yeah, yeah they, they apparently if they would have kept yesterday's game on they would have been in the middle of a snowstorm oh that would have even been better. <laughs> they had a snowstorm going on <laughs> yesterday in uh in uh, pittsburgh so oh. they were in pittsburgh right I don't even remember. There's a snowstorm going on, (laughs) and uh, they luckily canceled it to today, and it was clear. (laughs) How wild. (laughs) Yeah, wild times in the NFL. Uh, Crazy stuff going on in college last weekend. I mean, Alan, once again, the danger zone hits home. That was one of the more entertaining games last weekend, the Oregon-Oregon State game. That was – I don't know if y'all got to peep any of that. That was a lot of fun to watch on Friday night. I enjoyed that one. It was. I mean, Oregon jumped out to a big lead, but Oregon State reeled them back in. 
and scored in some of the weirdest officiating. Not that the officiating had anything to do with it, but like that last minute of the game, I swear, lasted like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we think it's supposed to be here and this much time on the clock. Anyway, Oregon State won, got a big win, and Oregon just hasn't looked that great this year. Um, you know, Jay, I do have to rib you a little bit. You knew it was coming, but yeah. Alabama and Devontae Smith dropped the house on Gus Malzahn. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, hard, hard drop. I, I, uh, I feel dumb for having thought that that might actually be a game that we might have a plan to do anything <laughs> at all. No, I mean there, there was no plan except to take it and ask for some more, and uh, we we got a lot of it. And uh, as it goes, but uh, you know, I mean, I. <laughs> I knew we were going to lose. I just didn't know it was going to be that ugly. Uh, but it's, it's weird. No, I mean, we talk about how weird the season is all the time. It's so weird that, like, the Iron Bowl happened and there's, like, more games. You know, it's just <laughs> – we're right. going to be playing SEC football into the middle of December, uh, which I'm not going to complain about because usually now the season's over, but at least we, we get some more football. But, yeah, kind of kind of wild times. A little bit of coaching news out there. I'm wearing the UNA hat tonight, though, because famed UNA grad Will Hall and former Harlan Hove hill trophy winner quarterback for the lions back in the early 2000s he was the offensive coordinator for tulane after a couple of head coaching stops at uh west georgia and uh some other folks and now he is the head coach of the southern miss golden eagles so amory mississippi's own will hall comes back to home and uh you know fan base a little divided on it but i gotta tell you i think it's a great hire and i'm really excited for him uh, because, like I say, he was a blast to watch play um, when he was in college, and I really enjoyed watching him kind of grow through his coaching ranks. So, yay, Southern Miss. You got it right. Um, also, yay, Detroit. You did what the Jets refused to do. You got rid of the coach that's wrecking your franchise. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay, Matt, I didn't know this till last weekend. I've always kind of joked that Matt Patricia looks like a tire salesman, so that's why he was perfect for the Detroit Lions. But he has a <laughs> rocket science degree. He's an aerospace engineer. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't know how somebody that smart can be that dumb at coaching a football team. It's a different kind of smart, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, his yeah. Patriots defenses were awesome. They but were? he is awful as a, as a head coach of the Lions. I don't know. They I wouldn't bad. call the defenses awesome. They were good. They won Super they Also, though. Okay defenses for a while. They had better defenses before Patricia. Go ahead, Liz. What was his GPA? I mean, D's I, get degrees, <laughs> right? So... <laughs> He might be a rocket scientist, but fair enough. <laughs> maybe maybe we can get Josh Dobbs off of the Steelers practice squad since he's got an aerospace degree too from Tennessee, and they can compare notes because he actually had good grades um, and everything. So yeah, that is a wild weekend in uh, college football. Uh, can we talk about stuff. the was it the Syracuse quarterback who spiked the ball oh. in fourth down to end the game? <gasps> oh, oh, how brutal is that? I, what's funny, no fans in the stands and the parabolic mics on the sidelines, you can hear the coach like going, oh, beep, you know, because he knows. <laughs> like he knows. Like, no. Uh, situational <laughs> awareness. Not, yeah. not that guy's strength. Did he not know that, <laughs> he's at that the clock was at zero? Was he I mean, trying to stop the clock? Is that what he well, was trying? Like, was well, he, he just not aware? Sack. 
Yeah. And I think he just in the panic mode to like, okay, we got to stop the clock so we can run one more play. Just, okay, we're going to spike the ball. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. He, so he yeah. just like, wasn't. Like the wide receiver was just like hanging out in the end zone. It's not like those guys were like hustling back to the line or anything. They had no plan. Yeah. <laughs> there, there like was their clearly, entire season. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, they had like 18 seconds on the third down. And then when he gets the pressure, instead of flinging the ball out of bounds, or you know whatever, or you know, throwing it into the stands, he runs around for 15 seconds and then gets mm-hmm. sacked and then tries to you know spike it in the ground. I don't know how he even got the playoff, but yeah, that was yeah. a well, that just sums up Syracuse this year. Like you know, they're just they're just mess. That felt and, right. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Vanderbilt really parted surprising. ways with Derek Mason after the 41 to nothing drubbing at the hands of Mizzou. Uh, but an historic moment, the first female to start in a power, not start, but the first female to play in a power five game, yep. Sarah Fuller, yep. props to her. I mean, what high school football team hasn't dug deep in their soccer teams to find kickers? So it really made a lot of sense for them. Shout out to high school classmate Francis Specker, who not only was a kicker at Coffee High where I went, but played defensive end too. She actually got there on the field some. So she was she was a, a, a rough and tough girl, uh, but really liked to play and was a lot of fun. And uh, but I don't think that's why Mason got fired. I think he got fired because no. Vanderbilt finally realized, like you know, we're not supposed to be any good, but this is bad, and mm-hmm. that just went they, away. I, I don't know what they do, you know. Well, we, we have talked about this for years. Vanderbilt needs to get a triple option coach. They need to run the option. They need to do something different where it doesn't matter if you can recruit four- and five-star guys. You recruit guys who can run the option, and you make your team just a massive pain in the ass to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul Johnson was at Georgia Tech for, what, like 16 years or something, and while they never had huge success, they were already always pretty steady there until the last few years. They made a couple of orange bowls. So, I mean, you know, they, they, you, you can get to a, a certain level doing that at Power Five. And I agree with you. For, for Vanderbilt, one, they don't care. They don't care about their football program. They don't put any money into it. They don't even have an athletics director right now. It's the person over intramurals, again, running that. They're not going to put any money in it. The reason their baseball team's any good is because their baseball coach basically runs that as a private enterprise. <laughs> and basketball is kind of the same way. So if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to be any good, at least be interesting. And I agree, man, run the triple and just you know, move on with it. Let's have some fun. I, I for one, would not want to have to see Vandy pop up on the schedule knowing like, great, now we got to run against the triple option. I mean, they may not beat you, but they're at least going to make your life miserable for a week. And yep. they're probably going to win more than not. So worth it. I mean, it, what's, what's a frustrating is you watch Vanderbilt line up in the four wide receiver air raid and go like what are you doing <laughs> you can't you can't run that it's not gonna work i mean you can try but you're gonna get destroyed well i mean kentucky tried that for years and it didn't work and then they got a guy who likes to run the ball and play defense they actually win some games now yeah yeah uh, though i will i will go back the early days of how mummy and all that stuff that worked at, at kentucky it yeah, just it was did. so different you know that nobody knew what to do with it but they figured it out pretty fast I mean, Tim Couch got drafted off of that, so. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But, Went to Cleveland. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. a long list of distinguished failures right there. By, by the way, by the way, <laughs> since 2010, can you tell me the two franchises with the most losses, tied for the most losses in the NFL? I would, I would say oh. Cleveland and the Jets. 
You would be wrong. It is Cleveland and the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I forgot. I can I see s- that. I saw yeah. where, where Mr. Khan reached 100 losses as an owner faster than anybody in NFL history. <laughs> <laughs> that, what an accolade, really. Right? And, and look, when Jacksonville came into the league, they were like in the AFC Championship game almost immediately. They were great for years. They were such a pain in the neck for the Titans for years. And then the Titans like took over that stadium. And just Jeff Fisher kind of called it Nashville South. And would go down there and beat them every year, and they haven't been any good since. And uh, yeah, that's so wild um, how bad they play right now. Yeah, I did not know that. That's a good tidbit, Alan. As we get into things, well, let's talk a little bit about picks records from the last week. So once again, Slay Queen, uh, Lindsay goes seven and one, mops the floor with all of us. Uh, your overall record, 80 and 42, Lynn. So you're definitely passing the final now. That's good. That's good to know. Uh, Brian, you went six and two. Um, you are now 79 and 43 on the year. Very good. But the big props got to go to Allen, who went eight and oh last week. Now, yes, we did pick 10 games. Two of them ended up COVID and out. So we, we pulled those off. Allen, you're 77 and 45 on the year. And I also went six and two, 74 and 48 on the year. So everybody did pretty good last week. Like, you know, I think uh, we pretty well all picked you know, what was right and, and got it in there. So this week, uh, she'll be interesting to say the least to see who's playing who and what's going to happen. And so, Alan, let's start with feature games. I, all I know is you're talking about Coastal Carolina. I just need to know who you think they're going to play this weekend. <laughs> are the Chanticleers taking on the Flames of Liberty? Are they taking on the Cougars of BYU? Well, Jay, I'm going to circle around to something else. I've prepared something really special for everybody tonight. You're really going to like this. Um, you know, you, you told me I could have a few minutes to talk about the absolutely beat, beat down that is going to happen in Baton Rouge this weekend. You know, some people teach through stories or metaphors or parables. <laughs> I've come up with a really great way to explain this. So, you know, last year... LSU and Ed Orgeron, they were on top of the world. They were kind of like the Duke brothers in trading places. The 1980s classic Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, great flick. You know, they had a year to remember. And they figured this year that they would, you know, corner the market on the concentrated frozen orange juice business. You know, Clarence Speaks, Joe Brady, you know, he, he's gone. Uh you know, Clarence Beach got beat up by Louie and Valentine, just like Alabama's going to do to LSU this weekend. You know, LSU had false hopes that they can t- continue a dynasty like Alabama. So LSU had high hopes and, and bought frozen concentrated orange juice due to a fake crop report that Alabama gave them and drove up the prices of frozen orange juice. But Alabama is coming to town, and Alabama knows that the orange crop is strong and will drive the price down. On Saturday, Alabama is going to announce a sell 30 April at 142, which in layman's terms means Alabama promises to sell frozen orange juice at $1.42 a pound on April 30th. So people buy these contracts because they assume that the price of orange juice is going to be higher then. Then the crop report drops in the form of Mac Jones and Devontae Smith. And everyone realizes that there's no shortage of orange juice. It'll be plentiful. So the price drops to 29 cents, which then Lewis and Valentine start to buy at 29 cents, which they're going to sell at the end of the month for $1.42 a pound. 
they're gonna the Duke brothers are in ruin, much like LSU will be on Saturday night. I pick Alabama fifty-two to ten in an absolute beatdown. Also, a side note to this story. Trading commodities based on inside information obtained from the government was not illegal at the time that movie was made. Oh. It was not made illegal until 2010 when they did the financial overhaul law and they put in a, a uh, clause that people refer to as the Eddie Murphy rule <laughs> that, that prohibits that. <laughs> that is amazing. And uh, wow. I, uh, that's a good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it pretty well plays through. Uh, that's one of my favorite holiday watches for sure is uh, trading places. Uh, wow. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of orange juice and not a lot of orange bowls uh, for <laughs> LSU this year. It's been a rough year, but they're just limping to the end. Uh, thankfully, we didn't put that on the picks record because none of us in our right minds would pick LSU at all. Um, maybe mm. to even score in that game at this point because uh, they are down a lot of dudes, including Terrence Marshall, who said, peace out, guys. I'm going to the NFL. Um, so let's get into featured games now. Conway, Arkansas, possibly might be the host of ESPN game day, depending on who's coming to town. At one point, as of press time here, Liberty is still scheduled to play Coastal Carolina. But the word is, if Liberty can't do it, then BYU is going to load up the plane and come come to South Carolina. Alan, who's playing Coastal, and does it matter? I mean, aren't the Chanticleers going to roll either way? You know, I had this really well thought out. You know, I wasn't even going to talk about much. I was going to talk about these two quarterbacks because Malik Willis and Grayson McCall are excellent. They both got lots of yards, lots of touchdowns. They can run. Malik Willis is probably the best dual-threat quarterback in the country. But he has COVID, so if Liberty shows up, he ain't playing. I got a feeling that the Cougs are going to roll into town, and they're anytime, any place that they're coming in for a loser leave town match. But I think on the short week and all this funkiness, I'll take the home team and Grayson McCall to end the Cougs' dream season. Give me Liberty against whoever they're playing, thirty-one to twenty. You mean Coastal, not Liberty. Coastal. Give me yeah. Coastal with whoever they're playing, <laughs> right. 31 to 20. All right. Uh, Lindsay, you taking Coastal or Liberty BYU? <laughs> I am assuming at this point that Coastal Carolina will play Liberty. Um, I, I think that Coastal is going to keep their undefeated season as of yet. Right? They're 9-0. Is that right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. undefeated. Liberty has shown that they can lose. Uh, they do have a great team, but I think they're super downtrodden, a little unmotivated to learn that they might not get a bowl game bid at this point. So really, what's the point? They probably have a little more motivation than that, but I don't know. I think it's going to affect them a little bit. I like the Chanticleers, Chanticleers, to remain undefeated, and I think that they will beat Liberty 34 to 31. All right, so you like them uh, to win as well. Brian, who are you taking in this man three-man <laughs> death match? <laughs> it doesn't matter who rolls into town this week. Coastal Carolina is going to handily defeat them. I hope, I hope it's BYU because then it'll shut them up <laughs> they lose this match. And then nobody will have to worry about, oh, BYU should be uh, considered for the national championship uh, playoff. Like, no, you don't deserve it. 
you haven't beat anyone and you'll come into coastal Carolina and it'll show. So give me coastal Carolina against whoever they play. I'll take them 42 to 23. Brian inadvertently stole a little bit of my thunder. Cause I was going to get one of you to ask me who coastal's playing. And I was just going to say, it doesn't matter who coastal Carolina <laughs> is playing this weekend because they're going to take that shot to clear, turn that thing sideways and run it straight up your Rudy Pooh candy nose. Give me the shot to clears <laughs> all the way. I like them 41 to 24. I did the G rated version. we got kids watching. So yeah, so I, I like, I like coastal as well over Liberty or BYU and Brian, I'm kind of hoping your scenario works out because I'd love to shut up BYU, but the idea of putting another dent in Hugh freeze is also a good thing. Uh, so, cause, uh, there needs to be a notch taken down. Lindsay, I don't know what Virginia Tech, you know, uh, ties you still have or whatever, but if you get to talk to some of your bag men, steer them away from, from uh, Hugh Freeze as much as you can. Isn't he in the same radioactive pile that they found Bruce Pearl in? <laughs> hey, man, that hits a little close to home this week. Interesting so. note on that, though. Um, we so Virginia Tech Clemson got moved to the seven o'clock ABC, which Virginia Tech fans not super excited about because let's be honest, <laughs> yeah. we know what that game's gonna yeah, that's end up being. That's not on the schedule, yeah, that was... <laughs> right, yeah, for a reason. Um, but there's been a huge push recently for from former players, big former players, D'Angelo Hall specifically, for uh, Shane Beamer to be our next head coach but Shane Beamer is kind of betrothed to South Carolina at the moment so yeah yeah could be very could be could be interesting yeah yeah Yeah, the rumor is that the South Carolina job is Beamer's if he wants it wow Mm -hmm. that's what I've heard to be determined well Lindsay, let's go to you next you got an acc matchup and i'm real curious why you picked this one out because miami is seven and one the hurricanes are going to come on down to uh raleigh durham to take on the two and six duke blue devils this is your 7 p.m 8 p.m acc network game I'll lay it out for me i didn't choose this one for any specific reason aside from it was the best of the games that were available <laughs> for the week we're not working with a lot this week people um so it was a winding road to get to this game so it was looking like miami and duke weren't going to play at all this year duke's original schedule had them playing fsu on saturday and miami was supposed to have a bye week well they were going to have a bye week and then they were scheduled to play wake forest after their original game to wake forest was postponed to December 5th. But then the ACC intervened and adjusted the calendar to squeeze some games in that would be relevant to the ACC championship game matchup. And now here we are. So apropos for (laughs) the week that we've been dealing with. I mean, really, hold on. Like, I've, I've worked in wrestling. I've seen the Carney Barkerism that puts together a card. <laughs> this is amazing. Like, it yeah. really is to watch the brokering going on in college football. Please, please continue. So, well, I was thinking when I picked this game, man, I haven't heard, I haven't heard about Miami for a while. And I realized it's because I haven't. Their last game was November 14th. And they've wow. been on hiatus since due to a COVID yeah. outbreak. Yeah. So I imagine they'll be a little bit rusty after three weeks, which isn't great for them, considering they've lost the last two contests against Duke in 2018 and 2019. 
The Duke win in 2018 was the first time Duke beat Miami in 42 years. Wasn't that on some weird, like, eight lateral play that the ACC screwed up or something, or am I thinking of something else? You might be thinking of something else, because I think at least one of those two wins was a very clear and present win for Duke. So... Miami has a chip on their shoulder because of that. And it is 2020. So while Duke's won the last two years, a lot's changed. Number one, Duke currently holds the record for the most lost turnovers in the country. That's 30, 30 turnovers they have lost so far this year. For comparison, the number two team in turnovers lost, which is Louisville, has 24. So Duke is unlikely to lose that title anytime soon. 30 turnovers in, in eight games. Yes. Wow. Go and ahead. and in, in let's just let's just keep digging here. So in eight ACC games, Duke has allowed opponents to score 93 points off turnovers. For you mathletes out there, that's an average of 11.6 points per game. Wow. Just let that sink in for a minute for you guys. Uh I was going to start off by saying maybe that won't be an issue, though. You know, maybe maybe Duke will find some way to pull it out because Miami has been out of game practice this week may look more like a season opener for them than a late season game. In fact, Miami coach Manny Diaz has ultimately been treating this more like a season opener. Not a bad idea in practice by focusing more on fundamentals and winning turnover battles, which is important because even though Duke may have lost a handful of turnovers, they have a decent pass rush that could be a challenge for the Hurricanes. So Duke is currently ranked fourth in the ACC in passing defense. Miami is fifth, so close on their tail. But Duke is also averaging 3.22 sacks per game which is fifth in the ACC, but Duke also has Chris Rump II and Victor Dimukeji, both ranked second and fourth in sacks in the ACC, respectively. So they have a pretty stacked defense on the pass, or on, yes, on the passing defense. So with a three-week hiatus, which Miami is going to show up? Is it going to be the team that beat FSU 52-10, to 10, or is it going to be the one that barely beat UVA 19-14? And I think, I think we're going to get a pissed-off Miami, if I can say that, the P-word Miami. A Miami who hates losing to Duke at all, let alone two years in a row. A Miami with a big chip on their shoulder because they just got passed in the playoff polls by a two-loss Iowa State. I think we'll get a Miami who will have no issue proving that they are the double-digit favorite for this game. So give me my Miami to win, 42 to 10. All right. Brian, what do you say? Uh, if anyone in the ACC is thinking Miami has a shot to make it to the ACC championship, they're fooling themselves. However, they are going to win this game and go to 8-1. and one, But uh, we all know it's Clemson-Notre Dame in that game. There's just no mistake about it. So keep dreaming, Miami. It's not going to happen, but enjoy this win because you will defeat Duke. I am going uh, 33 to 10. All right, Alan, what about you? You know, 
Y'all should go look at the uh, ACC schedule and see all these horrible teams in the ACC that have beaten each other, like the Syracuse win and Louisville. Like, it's crazy. Like, Duke is awful. The bottom eight teams of the ACC are awful. I don't know that they could beat a Sunbelt team at this point. So I'm going to take Miami big. I'm going to take them 55 to 6. Yeah, I I think the rust is going to play a little bit, uh, but – Derek King and that offense just run at such speed. And I've seen Duke play. They beat Syracuse barely, who's not a good team. And then they beat Charlotte, which they're supposed to do. They, they hadn't done anything competitive all year. They can pass for all they want. Derek King can slide right out of that and run past them. I, I mean, I think he will probably not throw great. I mean, probably a little bit off for a little bit, but I still think Miami's got way too much going on. And I also, I think their defensive line is going to crush. Duke's offense straight up. So, and they have their full their full line, which they haven't yeah. had for a number of weeks. So that'll be big for them. Excellent point. I was about to ask you that. So yeah, they yeah, Miami's yeah. defensive line way too good. I like them here like 34 to 10. I think they'll they'll do they won't you know score more than that, but I think they take Duke out all the way. But I feel you, Lindsay, because it's a thin week. Like, what were we gonna do? I had Maryland <laughs> and Michigan all teed up. And dang it. Once oh. again, nobody wants to play. I think Michigan's done. I, you know, that would have been interesting to talk about. Just for the record, though, by the way, I was going to pick Michigan to take that game. But uh, anyway, I, I maybe I've been saved a London loss here by the uh, the, the COVID it's, because huh? it's the curse of Maryland. Like every top team in the Big Ten has now avoided playing them <laughs> since I think they're still undefeated. Are they not? No, no, no. They've lost two games. They're two. Oh, and did two. they? Yeah. Well, they've they beaten played a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they look yeah. good in their two wins, but they didn't get it. So instead, I get Indiana at Wisconsin. Now, Indiana's five and one. That's awesome. Tom Allen's doing great stuff, but a bit of a Pyrrhic victory last week because Michael Penix Jr. Went down with the ACL. He's done. Now, his backup, Jack Tuttle, the sophomore, came in. He was five for five, man. He looked great, but he's only throwing for 31 yards, so he was checking it down. Uh, if Indiana's going to do well, y'all, it's going to have to be on the strength of Stevie Scott, their running back. Um, he's been really good this year, and he's a bruiser. He's 6'2", 230. I mean, he's one of those Derrick Henry types. And they need to feed that dude the ball. Just keep pounding the ball ahead because this Wisconsin defense, the last time they stepped on a field, they got they got run on and moved on by Northwestern, who's not an offensive juggernaut by any means. Uh, on the other side of it for Wisconsin, look, Graham Mertz was looking awesome until he met with Northwestern's defense, and he threw three picks, and you know everything went south for them. The thing for them is, though, man, they, they need to run the ball. They got two running backs, Jalen Berger and uh, Nakia Watson, who are kind of splitting carries. And, uh, you know, everybody talks about Wisconsin now, this passing team. They really just throw it to the tight end. They run the ball. They still line up in their two and three tight end sets. They run the ball. They look a lot like the college version of the Tennessee Titans. If you watch the Titans play, and we're going to talk about them here in a little bit, the Titans run a lot of power formation, and then they just come right at you, and they just embarrass you up front. And that's Wisconsin's angle in this game because, look, for as good as Indiana's looked at times and stuff, on defense, they can be had. You can throw on them. You can run on them. And I think Wisconsin's going to get the bounce back win here. Now, 
They've played less games. They have a lot less experience, yes. But I think up front, they've got such a size advantage and a power advantage that they're going to be able to move the ball against Indiana. They're at home. I know the home crowd isn't going to be there. It doesn't matter. But I still think playing in your own confines matters. I like Wisconsin here, but not to the tune of the line. They're they're favored by 14, and I think a lot of that's because Penix is out. I don't think they'll get it done like that, but I like Wisconsin to win anyway. I'll take them 24 to 17 in this game. Brian, what do you say? Man, I really wanted to go with Indiana here, but like you said, with, with Penix out, that hurts them a lot. Um, they've been really good this year and fun to watch, and they took Ohio State to the limit uh, for most of that game. So it's really a shame. Uh, Wisconsin, I just I don't believe in them this year. I think a lot of it has to do with that they're hurt because they haven't been able to play um, and everything else, but I still – I'm going to give it to Wisconsin as well. And this one, I think that they're just going to be able to pull this out. I, I'm with you. I don't think it's a 14 point spread in this one. I think it's, it's pretty close. Indiana plays everyone really close. So I'm going with a 21 to 17 score. All Wisconsin. right. 21, 17. Alan, what do you say? Guys, I think Indiana's going to get the win here. I think they're the better, more talented team. I think Wisconsin has beat up on a really bad Michigan team. But they got exposed by Northwestern, who I don't really think is all that great. Give me Indiana in an ugly close game, 24 to 21. All right. You like Indiana, Lindsay? What do you say? I'm not splitting it this time. Jay, I'm with you and Brian. I think Penix is unfortunate. It's going to hurt Indiana. This is also becoming kind of a legacy win for Wisconsin. They've beat Indiana the last 10 might meet up there can't talk the last 10 meetups uh, by blowouts and i i don't think it's going to be a blowout it's definitely going to be close but i still like wisconsin winning 31 to 27 all right so well i'll tell you something about those streaks they're meant to be broken indiana beat michigan for the first time since like 1986 this year just saying yeah but look at that michigan team dude that's that's kind (laughs) of i mean that's kind of bad. That's like saying Friday the 13th part seven is not going to be any good. Probably not. You know, I mean, at this point, it's, it's pretty good. Actually, that one's actually is kind of fun. But anyway, another story hey, before for you day. segue the question on the Big Ten here. Yeah. Is Ohio, Ohio State needs Michigan to get over this COVID and play that game next week. I, they need I, look, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. The Big Ten knows that's their marquee team. They want to try. They're in, they're still number four in the playoffs. They're going to try to hang on to them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I y'all, I think they they are going to move heaven and earth to either get Michigan to play or somebody's going to play Ohio State these last two games. They're going to get them in that championship game because they are not going down like that. In order to get Michigan to play, they need to change their rules on COVID because yeah. Michigan players who are out right now have to be out for three weeks. Yep, and if they're out a lot. It ain't happening. So I'm with you. I think they move someone in there to play this game with them. I know they said Ryan Day couldn't coach this week. Does is he out three weeks too? I don't know. That's a great question. I don't. I don't. The Barry Alvarez, who's the AD at Wisconsin, uh, said on a he was on the radio show or something this week, and he was talking about. He said, "Look, the ADs are the ones that put these rules together. We're the ones that can change them too." I think yeah. those conversations are happening. I think they're I think they are too. Yeah, well, they, they, I think there's how, pressure how, for him to happen. Hey, Look what happened with how Minnesota. many people in that conference guys out for three weeks. Yeah, but how many people in that conference hate Ohio State and would vote against it just to stick it to them? I I think more I people think hate enough. Jim Harbaugh in Michigan oh. than hate Ohio State. So. 
Yeah, I don't um, think enough. <laughs> I'll be I'll be curious to see, but you know, yeah, you know what I'm gonna say like the the playoff four didn't change any this week. The top seven didn't change any of the college football or whatever. The, if you look at the resume, that Ohio State resume is it's thin, y'all. They did four games and they they're they going on name right now. Yeah, they, yeah. It, is, it is straight front of Jersey at this point. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll get to our NFL game of the week. This ought to be fun here, man. Uh, the Tennessee Titans went from being out of the playoffs to like the number three seed in two weeks. Amazing, right? Uh, they take on the Cleveland Browns, also eight and three this week. So, man, talk about a turnaround. Freddie Kitchens ran them in the ground. Kevin Stefanski comes in and that's a good looking Cleveland team. And you got two of the top rushing teams in the league. This ought to be a quick game. If you're into running the football, this one will be fun. This is your 12 PM, uh, 1 PM CBS Sunday game. Brian, break it down for us. I think what this tells you, Jay, is that uh, Kevin Stefanski should have been given the book for the Vikings when he was there, instead of having him be the token offensive coordinator and allowing Kubiak to make the calls because look at what Kubiak did with that Vikings offense and look what Stefanski's doing in Cleveland. Yep. Way different here, folks, way different. Anyway, uh, this game is going to be fun. If you looked at the NFL slate this week coming up, it is God awful. There's not (laughs) a good game in sight except for this one. This is the only game this week where both teams have winning records, I believe. And our playoff, uh, implications here. Both teams come in eight and three playoff. Like I said, implications on line. Now Cleveland is unfortunate. They're in the same division as the Steelers. So they aren't in a first place, uh, but the Titans are in their division. And like you said, they went from, I think it was eighth place up to fourth and then up to third. So just crazy how that works. But uh, we're talking about a different Titans team here. They started off this season five and oh, looking really good with Ryan Tannehill uh, slinging the ball around. And then they lost three of their next four games uh, until they finally decided, Hey, wait, we've got number 22. Maybe, maybe we should give him the ball and look what happens. Right. I mean, they haven't lost since they started that up. Uh, this comes down to a couple things here. Uh, the Titans offense is looking just lethal the last uh, several weeks. They have a point differential of plus 39 and the Browns on the other hand have a point differential of minus 21. They're eight and three with a point differential of minus 21. That's not good. Not good at all. Of the seven teams in the NFL that have, or of the, of the teams in the NFL that have seven wins or more, the Titans come in with the second most points in the NFL behind the saints and the third worst points allowed at 285, which is behind Seattle, which is 287 and Cleveland, which is 286. So what that means is the Titans know how to score and Cleveland allows people to score. That's not a good combination for Cleveland. This matchup comes down to the run game. This is Derrick Henry versus the duo of Chubb and Hunt for Cleveland. Cleveland is the number one rushing team in the NFL. The Titans are number two. So this is what this game is going to be about. The Browns goal here is to uh, stop Derrick Henry on first down. They have to do that and allow Miles Jarrett, who will be back according to the the rumors this week after two games missed to get to Ryan Tannehill. If they can do that, they can win this game. The Titans needs to keep Garrett in check by getting yards, chunk plays on the ground on first down. If they do that, Titans are going to run this ball all over the field. The Titans took out the number one rushing defense last week in the Colts. Now 
They were out Buckner, but they still took him out. That was impressive. Uh, well, it all comes down to that running game. I don't think anything else matters in this game. Tannehill can play well. Uh, Mayfield can play well, but it all comes down to which running game is better for their team. Give me the Titans in this one, 27 to 23. I think that they have the better chance and Cleveland just gives up too much on too many points. All right, Lindsay, what do you say? I am very close to you, Brian. I am a fan of the Titans winning too. And Alan, I think you've mentioned this in a few episodes that the colder it gets, the less people want to tackle the large Derrick Henry. And he is getting harder and harder to beat. I like the Titans. I like them 27 to 24. So almost spot on with Brian. Alan, what about you? You know, I think you, you, y'all both hit it well. I think you missed one thing about this game, though. The Browns have been winning games ugly and close and barely beating some really bad teams. The Titans are more battle tested. They beat more teams. They finally remembered to hand the ball to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's going to run wild. They're going to stomp the Browns 35 to 17. Two things about this. The last time these two teams played, beginning of the last season, the Titans absolutely embarrassed Cleveland. I mean, just <laughs> derailed their whole season because they thought they were coming in, running the playoffs, yada, yada. Baker Mayfield go with the MVP. Negative. They got destroyed. Cleveland remembers that, right? Those were the same team, basically, as last year, just different coaching staff. So they're going to play this one close. Cleveland's 5-0 and in one-possession games. They win ugly. If they can make this game ugly – could be a little scary but here's the thing and i think you're all dead on with derrick henry feed the dude the ball 30 times and, and he can win the game he's leading the league in rushing for a reason but here's the x factor i don't think cleveland's got anybody anybody in that defensive backfield that can cover and stop aj brown when that man catches a ball he just does things to people he's starting to remind me a lot of julio jones the way he's physical and he catches the ball and just starts slinging people off of him i think the titans find a way to win it um, and pull away late. But I'm going to tell you, this might be closer than, than we're thinking. I like the Titans here in this one, 24 to 21. But I think they're going to be close to getting it done. So we all like it with the Tennessee Titans getting it done this week. So let's go to the lightning round. It's a short lightning round in college this week because, as we said, what are, what are we going to pick, right? So there's not, there's not a lot of games going on. Uh, the Texas Longhorns, five and three, embattled head coach. Tom Herman really fighting for his life at this point. Cause you got money people in Texas talking about urban Meyer, which that's a bad dance to start, but whatever. That's another day on Donahue. They go on the road to take on Kansas state four and five this year. Now K state not looking great, but they got a big pelt on their wall when they took out Oklahoma early on. That's your 11 a.m. big noon kickoff Eastern on Fox. Did the Longhorns get it done or did the Wildcats get another one? Alan, what do you think? First of all, I think Kansas State has really fallen apart since that Oklahoma win. I think they've lost four in a row. Uh, they look really bad, too. Here's the thing. If Texas has quit on Herman, Kansas State will win. I don't think that's quite happened yet. So give me Texas. We'll call it 34 to 17. All right. Lindsay, what about you? Yeah. Alan, I'm with you. Kansas State, I think you said falling apart. That feels accurate. Texas is officially out of the Big 12 title race, though, so I wouldn't expect a ton of motivation from them, even if they're, they aren't totally 
given up on on their coach. That being said, Kansas State is Kansas State, and they're falling apart. So I do like Texas to win 27 to 20. All right, Brian, what do you say? I'm going to pick the upset here and I'm going to go with Kansas state to win this one. And uh, I just think that that blow from uh, last week, losing to Oklahoma kind of hurts them and uh, they don't, they don't have anything to play for. So I I don't see it going well for Texas the rest of the way. Give me Kansas state uh, 30 to 24. All right. I got to tell you the difference in this one, because neither of these teams are playing for anything at this point, because who knows what the bowl season is going to look like at all. But there's one guy on the field that's really playing for something, and that's Sam Erlinger at Texas. He's trying to get back in the conversation of NFL. Yeah, and, and the difference of being drafted in the sixth round versus the third round. I mean, he's going to be holding a clipboard one way or the other, but might be you know, making a decent wage doing it at some point. I think he's going to be enough because I don't think K-State's got enough left on defense to be able to tackle him and do stuff. They've lost so many guys to injuries and opt-outs and COVID and stuff like that. They're beat up. I like Texas, but I like it ugly. I'm talking like 23 to 20 in this one. I don't think we get a lot of points, but I like Texas to gut out and win somehow. We'll stay with the Big 12 with the couch-burning Mountaineers of West Virginia at 5-3. and three. Take that show on the road up to Ames, Iowa, another weird place. 7-2, and two, Iowa State's right in the mix, though, of the Big 12 championship. Can they stay that way and get it done? That's your 2.30 uh, PM 3:30 ESPN game of the afternoon. I think that's going to be a good one. I got to tell y'all, I, Neil Brown's got his defense doing some good stuff at West Virginia. And if this was in Morgantown, be real close to pulling the pin on it. But I'm gonna give the boys from Ames uh, the the home field advantage here. I think Campbell's going to have his guys geared up. They know they're playing for a lot, at least in the Big 12. Uh, I like Iowa State here to get this one done, 27 to 20 over West Virginia. Lindsay, what do you think? Man, you stole a little bit of my thunder on that one, Jay. This is going to be a tough match for WVU. It's defense against defense, and I was so tempted to pick WVU. If it was a home game, I would have 100%, but it's not. And the WVU is off. The WVU offense is struggling hard. Like they could get shut out this game. They won't, but they could. Give me Iowa State to win 24 to 10. All right, Brian. I got to keep on that same thought. I'm going with the Cyclones here. Uh, give me Iowa State uh, 30 to 27. All right, Allen. You know, this West Virginia team's a far cry from that uh, team that played Baylor in like a 72-68 basketball game a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so here's a couple of things, guys. First of all, Ames, Iowa is like the Bermuda Triangle college football. Weird stuff happens there. Also, side note, Iowa State has not won a conference championship since 1912. Wow. If it was like the Missouri Valley Collegiate Athletics Association or something. Wanted in 1911 and 1912 back to back. So it's been a while. I think they will be motivated. I think that their running game will be more than enough. I'll stick with the Cyclones 27 to 13. All right. So we all like Iowa State. Uh, to keep it going there in the Big 12. Well, we flip over to the NFL now. 
And it's time to talk a little bit about some NFC North. The Detroit Lions, as we mentioned, have fired Matt Patricia. They're four and seven on the year. Do they get the just fired your coach bump as they go on the road to take on the Chicago Bears, who are five and six? Matt Nagy, most assuredly, probably out at the end of the year, it looks like. And Mitchell Trubisky is starting again for your 12 p.m., 1 p.m. Fox Sunday kick. Brian, who you picking? You just said the one key factor here. Mitch Trubisky is starting this game. Detroit will get that. We fired our coach bounce and win this game against Chicago. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, 28 to 13 Detroit. All right. Alan, what do you say? Well, I think the bears quit on Nagy last week. <laughs> not, not, not that he really deserves, you know, them playing for him. And guys, here's the thing. Matt Patricia was so hated by every player on the Detroit Lions team. I mean, that they they broke out champagne when he got fired like <laughs> they hated the man <laughs> okay. okay so i think the lions get that we just fired our coach bump the bears have quit give me the lions 24 to 16 all right Lindsay, what about you i'm gonna ride that we just fired our coach bump and raise you we're motivated to prove that we should have won the last matchup against chicago I think Detroit is going to take this one a little closer, though, 20 to 17. So here's the thing. I, I hear you. I'm with you. I think Detroit should win this game. But the problem is Detroit's Don't offensive line is garbage. No, no. And Chicago's defense is Ooh. still too good. I got to take the Bears at home. I think they're going to get it done. I think they, they find a way to gut out one. I think, honestly, I think that team likes Mitch. I don't think they hate Nick Foles. I think they like Mr. Bisky, you know, and he didn't play terrible last week. They just don't put him in good situations. I'm going to take Chicago 23 to 20. I'm just going to ride with the Bears this week, see if they can get this they, done. They can like Mr. Bisky all they want. He can't score points. <laughs> if he can't score true. points, you but, can't win games. But if you put Matt Stafford on his back, you, you can win. And that's the truth. I mean, if, if they hit him enough, you can win because Detroit's run game is trash uh, without uh, Swift, who's not healthy. So we go to the AFC South where the Indianapolis Colts, who are kind of on that Titans wave, they were leading the division and number two in the playoffs. Now all of a sudden they're like seven. Uh, they got to win this one this week. They're seven and four on the road to the Texans, four and seven. The Texans won four in a row since they fired their coach. Uh, talk about popping champagne bottles at the end of the day. This is your 12 o'clock, one o'clock CBS game. This may be more interesting than the Chicago game if you want to flip over uh, and you're on the uh, in the right time zone for it. I don't know. I, I'm kind of conflicted on this. You guys are going to have to convince me. Lindsay, who are you taking? Well, Deshaun Watson was on point last week, but Will Fuller being suspended for the rest of the season, he may not look as good. Um, also, Colts have one of the best passing defenses in the league, so I am going to go with the Colts, 27-20. to 20. All right. Brian, what do you say? Man, I really want to see the Texans win this game for personal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they can. I just I just don't. Uh, give me the Colts to win this one. I'm going to pick them uh, 21 to 10. Allen. I'll tell you about now that DeAndre Hopkins trade is looking worse and worse. <laughs> Fuller's suspended for six games. They cut stills. I mean, tell me who's playing wide receiver for the Texans. Are they just picking up some guys at the Walmart? Cook. Randall Cobb. <laughs> no, Cobb's out. He's Cobb's injured. <laughs> okay. Cooks is the only one left. Mm -hmm. Randy Cooks. So, He's the only one left. 
So uh, I think this game's ugly. I think Indy should lose, but I just don't think that uh, the Texans have enough receivers to make them pay. So give me Indy 17 to 13. You know, if if J.J. Watt was running the Wildcat, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Because I think he'll make Phil Rivers very nervous. <laughs> and and Phil will, will check it down a billion times, but that's still going to be enough. Texans, poor Deshaun. I'm glad you got your contract, bud. I hope they get you a better coach and you know, some better players. But uh, right now it's not going to happen. I'm going to take the Colts, too. I'll take them 24 to 17 as well uh, in an ugly game. Uh, boy, dude, tell me that, that noon spot, boy, that's bad. That's a bad. But go outside and play with your kids or something. Like that's that's bad football. Um, we do have two teams that with, with winning records playing each other, though, Brian. And it's the 305-405 Fox NFC game. It's the Rams seven and four at the Cardinals six and five. Man, three weeks ago the Cardinals looked awesome. And now they look horrible. What happened? I, I don't know. I'm curious. Alan, who do you think is gonna win? Guys, I think that NFC West is just a meat grinder. I think all those teams are real, very comparable in talent and skill, and they're just kind of beating up on each other. Arizona has been struggling, and the Rams have been playing better, uh, even though they lost last week. I'm going to take Kyler Murray over golf. I know the Rams have the better defense, but something tells me Kyler is going to show up and show out. Give me Arizona 31-27. to All right, Lindsay, what do you say? Yeah, Goff is a turnover machine. He really, really is an overachiever in that area. But, yes, I am with the uh, L.A. defense, their top pass defense and sacks and great on third down and top rush defense. And even though they lost, it wasn't enough to win. I think it'll be enough to beat the Cardinals. So I like L.A. winning 23 to 21. Ryan. Kyler Murray looked awful last week, um, which is a real shame. Two weeks ago, this matchup would have been marquee. Like you're thinking, oh, this is going to be the best match on the on the card. Not anymore. Uh, the Rams, you either get good Jared Goff or you get absolutely trash Jared Goff. Depends <laughs> on who wants to show up for the game. I mean, he can look like the world's greatest quarterback and he can look like Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> all the back-to-back weeks um that said uh i gotta go with the defense here as well i think they'll stop murray i think they'll handle him fine and uh, give me the rams to win this one uh, it's not gonna be pretty but give him let's go 17 to 6 y'all remember when wcw paid ultimate warrior enough money to come fight you know match with hulk hogan again one time to and like hulk hogan screwed obviously up the, screwed up the flash paper throw that's what this game's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. <laughs> like you, it should be better and you'd think it would be like offensive palooza because you got cliff kingsbury you got sean mcveigh but the difference is on the defense and arizona's defense while improved is not there yet. And Aaron Donald is a bad man. He'll do depraved things. I like the Rams here as well. I like them pretty comfortably, 23 to 14. I think they get it done and and take care of the Cardinals. I'm going to put the Cardinals at 6-6, six and six, probably going to put them out of the playoffs, uh, even though they had such a promising year. And they're doing a lot better, but just not quite there yet. Hey, can, can I t- say something? You know, what what a difference a few years makes on perspective. You know, there's right. one point everybody thought that quarterback draft class of Wentz and golf and Trubisky was looking really good. <laughs> and as we sit here today, 
Not so much. Yeah, you know, we didn't do our usual NFC East uh, game of the week. I guess we'll take a week off to see. You know, the Giants are currently at four and seven, leading uh, somehow. But uh, we'll see if they hold on to it by the end of next week. Alan, you're seven and six. The danger zone is rocking and rolling this year. Who are you putting on upset alert this week? Well, guys, when I tell you the danger zone is thin, I mean it's worse <laughs> than you know. A Golden Corral buffet after the 1 p.m. <laughs> rush, guys. It's slim pickings. Um, guys, I'm t- going to take a shot in the dark here. I'm going to say that the Washington football team goes into Heinz Field and beats the Steelers. I think the Steelers just had one of the weirdest weeks in football history. I think Washington's actually starting to play better. They're actually been running the ball really well. Um, you know, they got rid of the whole Haskins train wreck. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. As long as that guy's sitting on the bench, I feel better about him. Um, I think the Steelers are also just due to lose a game so those old guys in South Florida can pop that champagne. Uh, give me the Washington football team, 27 to 24. Well, I would tell you something. Uh, foreign correspondent Matt Presto did send me this in the midst of the show. Bud Dupree, star linebacker for the Steelers, out for the year with a torn ACL. That hurts. Mm. So I like your pick there. I think that's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to do my own little danger zone here just because I've seen it happen too many times. Gus Malzahn gets his teeth kicked in. And then he turns I almost around. picked this game. I almost did it. <laughs> and then he turns around and totally redeems himself by knocking <laughs> off a team. He has no business to it in pure Tommy Tumberville fashion. Give me Auburn over Texas A&M in an upset, and let's end that Texas A&M playoff garbage this weekend. I'm telling y'all, I've seen it too many times. Um, He's right. Yep, it's just it just happens. It's a thing, you know. And then he ends up with a huge extension, and Auburn fans cry. Let's, let's hope not. <laughs> Auburn's already making cuts. Let's hope they don't like you know athletic department shrinkage before COVID. So I don't, let's hope they don't do any more extensioning things uh, but yeah you know what hey it could be a lot of fun uh, you know what it's a weird week of football no doubt y'all it is like a wacky schedule but this is when games can be really entertaining because there's absolutely nothing most of these teams have to play for <laughs> hey i do want to bring up we didn't mention this in our preview how awesome that buffalo game was with yes. Jarrett Patterson running for over four bills and eight touchdowns. That was amazing. I mean, <laughs> yes. He, he tied the record for most touchdowns in a game and second most in yards in a game. Quite yeah, And they took him out because nobody told the coach he was that close to like, – and the backup running back came in and ran for like 20-yard touchdown. It would have given him the record. They said after the game, like, oh, we didn't realize he was that close. I mean, you gotta like hire a GA or something to get your ear go put him back in the game. What are you doing? Well, because when he had like five touchdowns at halftime, I'm like, I gotta look up to see what the record is. I'm like, because he he may have a shot at this because they were not stopping him. Kent State State scored a lot of points in that game too, but they could they had no run defense for that guy. As we talked about on this show, by the way, they wouldn't be able to touch it. Lance Leipold, by the way, his run game scheme is insane. Like, he'll line up, it's all going power left, and then skinny white guys coming around to the right side, and ain't nobody there. I mean, it's it's a cool-looking thing if you want to watch. That's why you got to watch G5 football, because it's where all the cool innovation is, y'all. Like you, you see, like, Coastal, Jamie Chadwell's running cool stuff. Will Hall from Tulane with Willie Fritz runs cool stuff. 
He'll do that at Southern Miss. Will Healy here at Charlotte runs a really cool offense. Like, he, it, that's where you see all that stuff happen because, you know, Nick Saban and those guys steal that, and then, and then it becomes, you know, part of the norm on the P5 level. But G5 is where well, the fun stuff is. I will tell you what game will not show you any innovation this week. Akron and Bowling Green play each other, which is guaranteed to be maybe the worst football game you've ever watched. Man, don't don't watch it. it. Don't do can it. I, can I throw in some fantasy here? Oh, please. If, if Pat, uh, if that Patterson gentleman was playing in the NFL, when my my son and I were talking about this, he would have had eighty points <laughs> fantasy wise. And we said that would suck to play against him, right? And yeah. then we watched Tyreek Hill, yeah, go off in that game. He ended yeah. up with fifty three point four points fantasy yeah. and crushed my son's game. <laughs> yeah, y'all, I'm telling y'all, the Chiefs right now. I mean, they look – they remind me of those Golden State Warriors teams that just jack threes and they score 130 points. And they don't care they give up 112. They score so yeah, right. much that you can't – like, they can be down by 20 and be like, eh. I mean, really, Patrick Mahomes is sick. And what they're doing is they're going to be really, really hard to beat. Um, no matter who comes at them from the NFC because, I, you know, look at the top NFC teams right now. The Packers, the Rams, the Saints, any of those teams you think got something for Kansas City? I don't know. I don't know about that. So, But, hey, hats off to the Saints. Two years in a row, they have proven they could win and go on a winning streak with a backup quarterback that nobody thinks they can win with. So, And so I'll, just throw, I'll just throw this out there. Uh, Allen's, uh, you know, upset pick, Super Bowl preview? Uh, huh? It could happen. Washington's in. Washington? No, oh. they're they're in it still. They still have a shot. Wow! If Alex Is it sad Smith... that somebody's gonna go to the playoffs <laughs> and end up with a top ten pick in the same year, yeah, yeah, <laughs> if, right. If, if Alex Smith can survive the leg injury he got, and not only get a team in the playoffs, but win a couple of games, holy cow, man! Like enshrine the dude tomorrow. <laughs> because that is a, a performance. Poor Alex Smith. He keeps getting shipped off to teams where people don't want him, and he keeps playing good. Like he's done that his whole career. Sixteen mm. years of this uh, guy is amazing. I think she went for comeback player of the year. I mean, no doubt about that. So, yeah. well, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, seeing how these picks go, and then coming back. Some good games next week. There's some tight games. We're getting down to the end of college football and getting into the heat of the playoffs. Uh, we'll update playoff look uh, next week and uh, also take a look at where things are in college as we go. Of course, if you like this show, folks, uh, follow us on uh, our podcast site. Just go to the gridironbreakdown.com. It's where you can find the podcast or look for the show on YouTube or like the show, The Gridiron Breakdown, on Facebook. You can watch us live here every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, where we chop it up and talk about the best and worst games of the week. Sometimes those are one and the same uh, as is this week so uh card always subject to change as we like to say so until next time for Lindsay, for alan for brian i'm jay thanks for listening and watching the gridiron breakdown thank you for listening to the gridiron breakdown playoffs we'll talk about playoffs you kidding me I just hope we can win a game. Follow us on our website, thegridironbreakdown.com, or on Facebook. We do things around here my way. You understand that? You're going to be stacking string all your life, boy. I don't want your life. 
Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. Now you all scared to ask another question? They're not going to keep them off the field tonight!